Yeah, Al although none of this uh, footage ever materializes, and obviously she doesn't get to interview the Grey. No, you don't say. George, I showed up at the Best Western, and the alien... <laughs> Best Western? <laughs> ...never showed up. I bought two servings of hash browns. <laughs> It's, what did you it's think just, was gonna happen? Like the fucking alien was gonna pull up and like a Toyota yes, myself? Yeah, it was walking absolutely in. a Toyota. <laughs> I think your car is on point. I think it definitely would have been a Toyota Tercel with like, it was, like a, a miscolored hood. You know what I mean? One of the doors is like the off tower. Welcome back to the Trilateral Troika. This is Steve along with the other Steve. Ew. And Ryan. Topo Chico does not crack as much as I want it to. It, it, it kind of cracked, I would say, like it should, though. It's not crisp. It, is, it, it, it wait, had is this the Topo Chico experience? It it's had not that crisp? Latin flavor. <laughs> <laughs> so I've never had this before. Steve said it was good. We talked about it last week. I was like at the gas station, and I saw Topo Chico like in the glass door. It was like two for six. And I was yeah, like, oh, those are the wino cans. <laughs> yeah. The girl was like, "Do you want a brown paper bag to walk out with it?" And I was like, "No, I'm a fucking <laughs> no, I'm an alcoholic at home. I don't, I hide my alcohol. I don't the drink uh, the the twelve packs are are like fourteen fifty at Wait, uh, Walmart. Yeah. Also, that's probably because they're four point seven percent alcohol. <clears throat> I don't drink anything under five. Okay, shout out to Truly. Well, they they do have the um the. The white claw surges now. Yeah, we were just talking packs. about that. I just got yep. one and it was very good. It's like I was just telling them it's good, but man, if you let it get warm whatsoever, it tastes like acetone that's flavored. <laughs> like you know, it's eight percent if it gets warm. It's a witch's poultice, and it loses its spell if it if it increases too high in temperature. <laughs> the eye of Newt inflames and and goes off to the left a little bit in it's... the uh, spell matrix. Uh, I spilled one on my kitchen floor. It got into the grout, and the grout started bubbling. You've been trying to clean means. that grout for years. It was a lucky yeah. mistake. <laughs> it's not. It's not proper twelve, though. You can't clean your floors with it, dude. Uh, it's not fabuloso. You mean proper? You know, proper yo, twelve. Proper Connor 12. McGregor's whiskey. Proper twelve's good. Have you had it? I. I I've never had it. I, I assume I it. Act, I assume it's decent. It, and it was. It was, I would say it's Tullamore Dew adjacent. Like, it's smooth, and it, uh... Really? It doesn't burn there, much. There was a... Because yeah. I'm a Tully kid. I, I mean, like it's Tully. a blended whiskey, though, so... When uh, when McGregor lost last time, there was a comment on Reddit, and it was just that I knew I, knew I couldn't trust his ability after Proper 12 wasn't able to bring the shine back into my floors. <laughs> 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 no, it's definitely, like, it's definitely a drinkable whiskey it's it's on the low end but it's you know it is what it is also f for what it's worth um conor mcgregor's on the low end <laughs> of, of life at the of moment everything for yeah. what it's worth uh topo chico gets the the, the trilateral troika seal of approval it's delicious isn't it, it is. good it's yeah it is refreshing. good it is and it's 4.7 you know so you don't you can control your your drink a little bit i don't drink for fun bro <laughs> I, I mean, I drink to get drunk. That's right. It's, it's like the, the it's like the Hannibal Burris when he talked about Coors Light and how how much he loves Coors Light because he can just drink it all day and Never you know you don't drunk. get like yeah. <laughs> it takes a ser you either have to funnel or chug 
to get drunk on Coors Light. Like, because you can get a lot of alcohol in you with Coors Light, but you gotta be slamming those boys. Speaking of the real silver bullets. Speaking of <laughs> slamming boys, what are we talking about today? Well, hey, boys, we're going to be talking about the aviary. The birds? Uh, in, in a sense. Um, so the aviary was this sort of clandestine group of, of government contractors and intelligence officials um, who went by bird sort of code names to, to sort of cover their identity. Yes, I love in, it. In sort of reporting and disclosing uh, UFO information in the in the 80s. Who was Crow? Um, so I don't the... think anyone had the code name Crow. Yeah, yeah, they um, did. The ones that we knew of were Falcon, Seagull, Blue Jay, and Owl Partridge. And then there was also there was a a, a Raven. Nice, nice. Okay, so we got some Corvid representation. All right. Yeah. Wait. Okay. So I'm um, all right. Admittedly, I'm not as into the UFO side of things. And and please explain this to me like I'm a fifth grader. What's going on now? So we're gonna we're gonna build up to this because first it's gonna start with this guy named Paul Benowitz. Okay. So Paul Benowitz, he he's a um he's an electronics expert. I believe he has an advanced degree in, in electrical engineering. It didn't really come up a lot. Okay. Um, I've seen him referred to as being a doctor, but a lot of times when you're reading things about people in UFO um, sectors, you don't know if it's like a real doctorate or if it's like a, a mail away doctorate. Right. right. Uh, but but real it, quick, real quick, Kellogg are we about University. to? <laughs> are we about to delve into conspiracy theories pretty hard? I would say it's not so much conspiracy theory. I would say this is mostly a cautionary tale on on government disclosure and and what you should believe and what you shouldn't believe and and how um, you shouldn't let certain actors take advantage of your own like sort of interest in it and, in and hope. Like Tom Cruise, Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, I don't, I don't fuck yeah. with guys who jump on couches. <laughs> well, Matthew Matthew McConaughey has probably met the machine elves, so he knows what's going on. Machine elves, okay. That's probably, Ma- that's Matthew McConaughey right now is just, you know, he's playing the bongos, accessing the Akashic record, you know, he's no, no, just... No, that's, that's <laughs> machine, Edgar word, Casey's <laughs> balls. Get Edgar yeah. Casey's balls. The two-word machine elves is exactly what I needed to hear. It's, it sounds like you just lit a joint. Did you light a joint? Yep, he did. <laughs> Smoke two joints in the morning. <laughs> Smoke two joints this at night. This is what I need for today. Smoke two joints when I podcast. Um, it makes me feel so, all right. I think now so, I'm prepared to hear about machine elves. Let's go. Well, Paul, Paul Benowitz, <laughs> um, he lives Paul in the vicinity Wolfowitz? of Benowitz. Oh, okay. He lives in the vicinity of Kirtland Air Force Base, which is near Albuquerque, New Mexico. Kirtland. Um and he is a um, he's a contractor at Kirtland because um, he owns a company that does uh, humidity control equipment. Hey, I used to install that stuff. <laughs> My um, granddad owns an HVAC company for about two to. years. Man, it was fun. So he he is actually a legitimate um, sort of like engineering person. Like he does have a knowledge for these things, and he's also an amateur um, radio operator. Yes, what's his call sign? <laughs> it didn't come up. ASL, uh, bro. Um, so Kilo Oscar Mike he, USL. So he starts intercepting uh, radio transmissions from around the base, um, and a lot of these messages are in code. Um, and he starts to look into them, and when he sort of brings it up to other people, other people, you know, they say it's probably just you know, government thinks he shouldn't get involved in it. 
but he eventually becomes obsessed well, with it. Well, let me interject there, because since, like, the dawn of amateur radio, it is 100% illegal to transmit in code as an amateur. Meaning, really? you can uh, use Morse code, but Morse code is easily decipherable, because it's just Morse code, just representative, and it, the only reason Morse code exists is because of the way it's transmitted, it makes it very easy to go long distances with reliable messaging, but you cannot encode your messages when you're an amateur operator, and if you are transmitting encoded, you're gonna go to fucking jail? Really? Yep. Like, not even so, a joke? Like Not even a really? joke. If you do a joke, there's these guys called um, frequency monitors, and they're kind of like the HOA of ham radio, and <laughs> they're, they're a bunch of old men, and if they hear you doing that, they will uh, fox hunt your signal, and report you to the FCC, and that's what they get off on doing. And actually, it's their job. For real? Yeah, dude. Yeah. No, no amateur no, no radio is not you. CB. It's like it's pretty regulated. I thought amateur radio was just kind of like the Wild West, where you could just put up. That is fuck more CB. To. CB is like that. Citizens Band, and there's laws about CB, but people don't fucking follow any of them. Like you're only supposed okay. to use five watts or ten watts, and people are out there with like. 2,000 watt amplifiers, which is like 500 watts higher. Like, that'll blow your TV up if it's near it. I mean, like, that's just you get RF burns from the air around that. You know, like, yeah, CB's the Wild West. It still is. You know, if you turn okay. it on, they're cursing a mile a minute. It's ridiculous. Okay. Um, and what eventually we know today is that a lot of the messages he was receiving were related to uh, drone research that was going on at the base. Mm. And also, um, some of the sightings he would see were actually part of a laser communication project in order to use lasers to communicate with satellites and also to use them to sort of blind um, spy satellites. What, what year was this? Yeah, This is in 19... This is around 1980. Oh, what, what's okay. His, what's his name again? What's this guy's name again? Uh, Paul Benowitz. Paul Benowitz. Okay, Paul Benowitz is 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 getting radio signals from around what Air Force Base? Uh, Kirtland Air Force Base, Kirtland which is Air by Air Force Base in the eighties. Okay, which is by Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, and, and he also believes that he sees UFOs over areas of the base and near the base that um, house nuclear weapons, which are the the Manzano Nuclear Weapons uh, Storage Facility and the Coyote Canyon Test Area. I mean, um, he's so that, testing drones, so... Well, no, he's not testing. They're testing drones, but he doesn't know they're drones. Oh, he doesn't know remember, this drones. is Okay, okay. So this is 1980, and he, he's sort of getting the transmissions of them communicating with the drones. Yep. And, and sort of the radio chatter, and it's all in code. Um, and he eventually pieces it together that they're both communicating with each other. And then, so because this these coded messages being sent between these unknown objects in the base, he begins to believe that there's some sort of covert collaboration between these UFOs and the U.S. government. Um, and this is mostly from his own interpretation early on. Um, he begins to decode the messages as well, um, and he sort of gets, uh, sort of pieces that together that these objects and the base are working together. Right. Okay. Um, so he begins to become obsessed with this, and he, he spends more time documenting and, and trying to decode um, these radio signals. Um, and because he himself is, he considers himself like a patriot, you know, he's a government contractor, um, he eventually contacts the Air Force about this, and they, they humor him. Um, so he shows his evidence to Air Force personnel, 
Um, and one of the people present is a special agent named uh, Richard Doty. Um, and he's with the U.S. Air Force Office that of Special really Investigations. Familiar, Richard Doty. Yeah, he's very he's very present within uh, UFO things today. Okay. Like usually, if there's a special, they'll interview him. Okay. Um, but because um, they they sort of take down what he what he gives to them, um, certain members of the intelligence community and and the Air Force um, they decide to have a man named Bill Moore um, approach him. Um, who he himself is a former um, um, agent of the um, the Office of Special Investigations for the Air Force. Um, and they ask him to monitor and report back on Benowitz's activities. Um, Moore himself is, is also like a UFO uh, researcher. Um, he wrote a paper in 1979 called The Philadelphia Experiment. Um, Starring Tom Hanks? Pro- Project in, uh, Invisibility, which is about sort of the, the Philadelphia experiment, which is this conspiracy theory that um, they, they caused a ship to, like, be displaced in time. What, oh, uh, wrong Philadelphia. What year this did he write that AIDS. paper? In 1979. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> and this was this was an experiment involving the, the USS Eldridge in 1943. Yeah, yep. Um, and in 1980, Moore also wrote um, a paper called The Roswell Incident, um, which which sort of talked about a a cover up of an extraterrestrial um, spaceship crashing. Oh, you mean the weather balloon? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you, I think you, it's important to like take into account how much less data availability. I think we've touched on this in a couple other episodes. There was in 1980. Yeah, this is like the OG. Like UFO research, like when when he's doing research, you know, he's going to like the microfish machines. Right. He's he's getting newspapers. He's interviewing people who were still alive when those events happened. Yeah, he's not um, going or to claim to have been pages. there. No, they. I mean, there, there was uh, what was it? There was like uh, there were news groups in ARPANET and and was around and like the the the, the, the like precursors to the internet were still were up and around back then. And ham radio had digital modes that had started be- becoming more popular in like the late 70s so a lot of the stuff that he's listening to could easily just be that stuff too you know like so there's but he didn't know that because it was all new and uh yeah well, he's, he's most definitely listening to government stuff yeah. like because the government is especially is, is charging more to essentially gaslight him um so more more is essentially tasked with, uh... with sort of like interfacing with him um, and eventually feeding him information, and in return for this, more is being given papers, um, which they themselves papers? are are probably um, <laughs> are probably um, fake. Smoke weed every day. <laughs> um, and and part of this is that it, it's a goal to sort of discredit Benowitz, um, to to sort of make him seem like a crank. He doesn't um, already which he, seem like a crank. Well, at this point, no, but but eventually he gets to a point where he gets even more to being a crank because he does have actual evidence of what he's seeing. Okay. Like, he does have recordings of the transmissions. Like, he's not just saying, you know, he saw a thing. Okay. Um, and another one, uh, Richard Doty, I mentioned before, um, he's also told to mislead Benowitz um, and sort of make him think that, it, that an alien invasion was imminent. Jesus. Um, and this is all being done to cover up the Air Force's drone and laser communication testing. Um, so a lot of this, though, um, eventually sort of causes Benowitz um, to, to suffer a, 
like a norv a, a, a nervous and physical breakdown. Like their gaslighting of him and the information they're supplying him and making him think that an alien invasion is happening or, or is is about to happen, um, sort of drives him off the deep end. Um, at one point, they give him a computer program um, that that makes him think that he's communicating with aliens and is able to decipher their messages. Um, they, they sort of spin him the narrative that there's different aliens on earth um, and that the U S government is cooperating with some of them and some of them they're not. And, and just sort of like um, a lot of this stuff about like, there's good the guys, aliens, like, there's bad guys. <laughs> yeah. Like a lot of the stuff about harvesting of like humans, like that comes <laughs> oh, out of like the, the Bedowitz stuff that, that aliens are abducting and, and sort of like harvesting humans as part of a secret agreement. <laughs> oh my God. That's um, like the stuff I used to read on like the weekly world news covers in the supermarket. Like you know when you're at the checkout, like when I was a yeah. kid and like going to the grocery store, it's like, oh, aliens stole my kidneys. Like what? Yep. What? Um. So, as as like the years go on, um, they're they're sort of giving him alien languages to interpret. Um, they they also like make a fake alien uh, craft. Um, crash for him to see from his plane because he himself was an amateur pilot. And this is the government keep doing all this. Yeah, the government is essentially like the intelligence people Yo, are, are sort of feeding him. A lot of things. So wait, the, well, the point of making this, this is my fucking tax dollars went to this? Oh man. Yeah, for this. <laughs> we, if for we this, start talking again. about what your tax dollars go to, will you will like pass out? I'm never paying taxes again. <laughs> this is this is a government. This is like a government like prank TikTok. Compiliation that went on for like a decade. Oh. This is what. Oh fuck! I get. I get. So, libertarianisms now. So Benowitz becomes no, like more and more. Don't say that. He he becomes more and more increasingly detached from reality. Um, he begins to um, see orbs in his house, and he also has certain um, instances where he claims that that aliens sort of like phase through the walls and like attack him. Uh. <laughs> So, so he's, starting, this is he's all, starting to lose his shit, is what you're saying. Yeah, so while this so is all going on... He's paranoid schizophrenic. Okay. Yeah, he has a lot of things going on, but but we'll get to what eventually happens to him. Um, so while this is all going on, uh, Moore is given um, uh, papers eventually, which are referred to as the Majestic 12 papers. Ah, the Majestic 12. So, the Majestic some, 12... Uh, I had some Rosies. Majestic 12 rollerblades when I was in high school. <laughs> they were named after the same experiment. So, these papers that emerged in the 80s, um, they they sort of go into a cover-up of, of like Roswell, um, and they also speculate that there's some sort of um, upper tier of the United States government that's responsible for dealing with the aliens. Huh. Um... And so this first begins in 1984 when a, when a UFOologist um, named um, Jamie uh, Shandera, he receives an envelope which contains film, and on it are, are images of eight pages of a document that appeared to be briefing papers for something called Operation Majestic 12. Um, so these documents um, are about a secret committee of 12 people, uh, hence the name Majestic 12, um, that are su- they're supposedly authorized by the United States government under President Harry S. Truman in 1952. Hmm. Um, and it sort of goes into Typical that, the, the yeah. handling of the, the crash at Roswell in 1947 um, and that they had concealed the, the crash and that they had recovered um, alien technology. 
Um, and, and also proposing that the United States government should engage with extraterrestrials in the future. Man, people are fucking stupid. I'm fucking steamed um, right now. So, eventually, Shandera, um, and also his colleague Stanton Freeman, um, sort of the mainstay, Stanton. until he died. Um, he and, he died um, last year, uh, them right? and, didn't he? Yeah, them and Bill Moore later received more anonymous messages um, to lead them to find what was called the, the Cutler Twinning Memo in 1985 um, while they were going through the classified files in the National Archives. Right. Um, this one is uh, purported to be have um, been written by President Truman um, and by his assistant um, Robert Cutler um, to a General Nathan F. Twinning um, and contained a reference to Majestic Twelve. Um, though the 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 memo itself is is well known to be a forgery today. Hmm. Um. So all so so this document is purposely planted in the National Archives for them to find. Um. A lot of the Majestic 12 documents, too, we know that they're fake for a lot of reasons. Um, so, uh, while claiming to be connected to, um, while this is all going on, while claiming to be connected to the, the U.S. Air Force Office of Special Investigations, uh, Richard Doty um, is, um, is sort of um, set to handle um, Linda Mooton Howe um, uh, when she comes to the Air Force to ask about the MJ-12 story and if it was true. Now- George, um, I spoke with Richard Doty. Sounds like <laughs> sounds like Diane Reams, like daughter. Yeah, you know I mean? she's, she's just she's, got that like tremulous, she's still going. tremulous voice, you know. And George, the aliens took over, and they stole six thousand boxes of Honey Crisps. <laughs> no. That's a lot, Linda. Can you can you confirm this? Well, we have the paperwork. <laughs> it's just like that's the that's literally like we could make up an entire episode. For, we could just I'm pretty sure we could just keep going, you know. So, so Richard Doty uh, talks with her while he's interviewing her, and this is all like in an Air Force like office that he's interviewing her. Um, he tells her that the Majestic Twelve story is true. Um, he shows her some some documents that purport uh, to prove the existence of uh, uh, gray aliens that originate from Zeta Reticuli, um, which is the common thing with gray aliens, usually in, in UFO war. Um, the grays are from Zeta Reticuli. Z- <clears throat> um, <laughs> I don't remember learning... <laughs> I don't remember learning about this Zeta Reticuli. I'm already pissed off they're not making Pluto a planet anymore. Now you're trying to throw in, like, Greek letters and shit? What's a, it's a far-off, like, star. It's one of those stars that, like... They live on a star? They live on the sun? Well, they live in a star system. That's the star system they're from, is Zeta Reticuli. For instance, right. we're from the... Because we're from the Sol system. Our, the sun is uh, designated as Sol. Which okay. is, I believe, the Roman name for the sun. Yeah, I remember um, that. That's in um, uh, what's it called? Kerbal Space Program. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> How herself had been um, had been somewhat of an accomplished journalist. Um, from 1978 to 1983, she had been the director of special projects at KMGH TV, um, which was uh, Channel Seven in Denver, Colorado. Um, she had done a documentary called Poison in the Wind and, and another one called A Sun-Kissed Poison, which was about the smog and pollution in Los Angeles and Denver. Um, and then she did another one called Fire in the Water, which was about hydrogen 
as an alternative source uh, to fossil fuels. And then finally, in her environmental series, um, she did a radioactive water, which was about uranium contamination of public drinking water in a suburb of Denver. Radioactive water is the stuff that you would get from Gainesville bars. Like, oh, God, the water was so gross downtown. <laughs> so she was um, she was also on staff with WCVB TV um, when the station won an institutional Peabody Award uh, for institutional excellence in 1975. Mm-hmm. Does the Peabody um, Award mean anything being that all the like the local news channels are being controlled by that like one uh, Sinclair. Well, this is this is before that. This is before Sinclair. Okay. Yeah, this is well, but this is back when there truly was like independent radio and and local media. Okay. Like I'm sure, like a local group probably controlled like a number of stations, but it's not like today, where like Clear Channel and iHeart and Sinclair, like are just buying up everything they can. Control literally everything. Yeah. But in 1980, what gets uh. What gets how into sort of like the UFO sector is she produces a documentary called A Strange Harvest. And A Strange Harvest is about the cattle mutilations that were going on in the in the 70s and 80s um, and how um, that they might be the work of extraterrestrial beings who are harvesting parts um, from um, cattle as, as part of their, their research. Um, and th- they're not. And that the U.S. government was complicit in hiding these. Spoiler um, alert, it wasn't. What? Well, there is. I've, I've heard a good theory that, that some of the cattle mutilations possibly might have been the government uh, killing and harvesting cattle from areas where they had done nuclear testing right. in the past in order to test, like, what the impact was on, like, the body of, of existing in a place that had gone through nuclear fallout, like, yeah, decades the, before. Yeah, but the government, while believable with that, would not allow people to spread the rumors of oh this was aliens. They would be like, well, oh, you just well, can't talk about this. Well, no, they would. They would want it. Like that's exactly why they're doing these things. This is why they're gaslighting Benowitz. Is because like they have a secret program, and if all these like people are spreading the story that is aliens, like that's the perfect cover because they don't have to make up like some story. Like they can just say like, well, that guy, this guy says it's aliens, and then the government can just say we have no comment on that. Uh, so they're feeding into people's. Uh, this is not they're, good when the government feeds into. Because essentially, instead of it's such a set of lying, the government is just gaslighting people. Like people are seeing these lights and they're like they're aliens. And they're just like, well, sure they are. Like, God, or, Jesus or, Christ. Or, yeah, we can't we can't comment on that. We're not gonna we're not gonna talk about these alien things. Instead of you know, it's 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 one of those things where it's not the question itself. It's how you phrase the question. God damn it! Our government gaslights its own citizens. I hate this country. <laughs> hate it so much. But the documentary in 1981 receives a, a regional Emmy award. And because of that... Oh, just um, a regional Emmy. Yeah. <laughs> so, so because of that, this sort of becomes her main focus is UFOs. And she's eventually approached to do a documentary, which I don't think ever gets made Who, uh, for HBO. Focus, uh, Linda Moulton Howe? What? Whose main focus? Her, her main focus begins to be UFOs her, after her? She goes from... Who is her? Linda Booten Howe. Oh, okay. That's why I was asking. I was just making sure something didn't change while I was spaced out. Um, so <laughs> she she begins to focus on this, and she becomes known for it. So she gets the she gets the funding to do this documentary, which is what she's approaching Dodie about. This UFO documentary that I believe that was supposed to be done for HBO. Uh, so uh, Dodie promises her that he'll give her film footage of UFOs, 
And then he also promises he'll give her an interview with an alien being. <laughs> oh um, my god, al- are you fucking serious? Yeah, nice. al- although none of this uh, footage ever materializes, and obviously she doesn't get to interview the Grey. No, you don't say. George, I showed up at the Best Western, and the alien... <laughs> the Best Western? <laughs> ...never showed up. I bought two servings of hash browns. <laughs> It's, what did she think was just, gonna happen? That, like the fucking alien was gonna pull up in like a Toyota yes, herself and just yes, start walking in? Absolutely, a Toyota. <laughs> I think your car choice is on point. I think it definitely would have been a Toyota herself with like it was, with like a, a miscolored hood. You know what I mean? One of the doors is like the, an off yeah, color. There's no windows. He's riding on a donut. It's not. No, there's windows, but just the back, like the small window in the back seat. You know, like the little window. <laughs> yeah, that one's missing, right? Yeah, he's got like one. Yeah, what are those? What are those ones that has the the turn lever that you can open it like part way to let the breeze come in? Yeah, it's got a. It's um, it permanently has a journey cassette stuck in the uh, yeah. cassette deck. It's it's just that um it's just that Borat interview with uh, Rudy Giuliani, but with a uh, with a guy dressed as a gray alien. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> like, what did this lady um, think was going to happen? Like, for real, though. Poor like, Linda Did she really think that an alien was going to show up and be like, yeah, now here, I'm here. Uh, you got me for 30 minutes. Ask all the questions you I'll be perfectly honest. Linda Moulton Howe was very fun to listen to back in the day. On like, so, She was one of the more like interesting guests they would have on because she was always evidence-based. So, like, I make fun yeah. of her, but she would come on with these reams uh, which I always pictured as like the uh, the printer paper from um, uh, dot matrix printer paper. You know, yeah, like dot. Yeah, the, yeah. It's yeah. it's still connected. Yeah. Like it's got the it's still yeah, got the, um, the, the circles on the side. Yeah, pull apart. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like she would come on with these reams of evidence and just read them off like Steve reads us lists, and it was like. <laughs> It was just crazy, man. Like she, she was just fun to listen to. Whereas the other people would just immediately get into like histrionics and shit. And then yeah. the alien came and grabbed my balls and tried to kill my dog. <laughs> and you're just like, no. She's just like, on October second, two thousand twenty-one, seven people in Sheboygan noticed a f- flying object like that, and it was just. It was fun, you know what I mean? But she's obviously deluded. <laughs> <laughs> she should be in a home. <laughs> oh, man. She deserves um, a local Emmy, is what she deserves. So as, as, regional Emmy. Oh, regional. Oh, okay. as, as these sort of MJ-12 documents are coming out, um, there's a lot of distrust and suspicion, which there normally is within the UFO you know, community. Like, there's there's a lot of in- out for the MJ-12s. <laughs> And listen, MJ-12s are bullshit, but it's all about the MJ-23. Nah, the okay. 23s are Velcros. <laughs> they still make Yeezys look like crap, though. Yeah. Uh, so, there's sort of infighting over these documents um, within the UFO community, um, and Moore is accused of, of sort of, like, making it a hoax, um, while other uh, UFOlogists who are debunking it, such as uh, Philip J. Glass... Um, Glass is accused of being a disinformation agent. I'm just going um, to stop you. You need to start using the correct term. It's ufologist. Okay? In ufo. ufology. Not ufologist. It's u- ufologist. It's whatever he wants. <laughs> what? So, I, I no, guess they're going to have to... Angry emails 
from the ufology <laughs> groups. <laughs> See, you uh, say it like you Christopher Walken. Uf- ufology. <laughs> Ufo. <laughs> I, I need to now I need to go watch communion and see how he says uh, UFO. Did he say it's it UFO, UFO or, no, or it's UFO? UFO. Oh, man. Um. So, Cross looks into um the MJ12 documents that uh that Robert Cutler had found. Um, it, well while he's looking into it, because Robert Cutler is one of the people on the Cutler twinning memo, right. um, he finds out that Cutler was actually out of the country on the date that he, he supposedly wrote the memo, um, and that the, the signature of Truman that is on the, the document was actually a, a pasted uh, on photocopy of a genuine signature. Dun, dun, dun! Um, what? <laughs> which, which, which also included um, uh, scratch marks um, from a uh, memo that that Truman had wrote to Vannevar Bush on October first, nineteen forty-seven. So they were putting Truman's signature on an official document, much the same way I used to edit my report cards in high school because I was afraid. Well, no, they're the they're team. forging they're forging a document, and instead of you know like forging his signature, they're just cutting out like they're just photocopying a document that his signature is on, yeah. and then just sort of. Uh, cutting it out and pasting it onto another document and then photocopying that right. because the nature of photocopy uh, photocopying technology at that time is to such a degree that you can't easily tell as well that, that something has been like pasted on and photocopied. Couldn't tell in 2003 either, just going to throw that out there if you use a glue stick, okay you can change your grades at any goes <laughs> in Orlando, the great Orlando area. I, I don't know when they started putting the, uh, the invisible dots on the uh on the print jobs. I don't remember when they started doing that. Uh, the 90s, I believe. Yeah, I think it was correctly. the 90s. So you could, you could yeah. tell by then that something had been through one of those devices. So, Class, um, he, he sort of also dismisses theories that it was part of a disinformation campaign for foreign actors because he says that there's there's enough flaws in the documents that wouldn't fool anybody in, like, Soviet or Chinese intelligence. That if that if you were like a foreign intelligence worker who's who's familiar with like government documents, these wouldn't fool you due to the discrepancies. Wait, um, there's also some other ones too, like Chinese, the nature of Chinese the, intelligence was a big thing in the eighties. Yeah. Really. Um. So there there's a lot of like well just like agents like like people whose job is to review like documents from a foreign um quasi hostile power in the eighties. China is a frenemy of the United States. Um, they still are. Well, like, like they were more, like they were more so friends because, like, if there was going to be a war between the Soviet Union and the United States, like by 1980, like China was going to have the U.S.'s back. I feel like right now, if there was going to be a war between the United States and China, Russia would be like, "So China, hey, you need a friend? <laughs> we don't like them either." Um, so, well, well, Klaus is like going over this. For instance, he says um, that a lot of. Um, that the distinctive date format that used batch one used in uh, Moore's personal letters, um, and a conversation that he um, that that was reported by Brad Sparks states that Moore confided in him that he was contemplating creating and releasing some hoax top secret documents in the hopes that the bogus documents would encourage foreign military and intelligence officials who knew about the government's uh, alleged UFO cover up to break their their secrecy. Um, this is also a thing that's common in UFO circles as well. 
that that people who are at odds with other people will will send other researchers like fake documents uh clandestinely <laughs> um there's also a really good running theory that like men in black were just like other ufoologists fucking with like other ufoologists like sort of trying to like get them off the get them off the trail or just trying to like spook them mm-hmm. that's so catty i love it it's so catty it's so high school girl just Oh god, you send you some fake shit make you look really stupid. Um <laughs> so the FBI um the FBI begins to look into the documents um and they they quickly begin to like say that they're that they're fake. Um and the United States Air Force Office of Special Investigations also states that there's no such committee as Majestic 12 um that that it had never been authorized or formed and that the documents were bogus. You're um lying. and the FBI And lying. the FBI and the FBI soon after that would claim that they're bogus. Steve, I don't know um, why you would come on here and just start fabricating. I've spent my whole life trying to prove that this thing exists. <laughs> uh, got your I want to believe poster behind you. You know, you've got your. Yep. You've got your Baker bucket in the corner. You've got your. No, it went bad. I bought it last week, but it's already starting to spoil. He's wearing his tinfoil hat. He's got a Wars t-shirt. Oh, man. You, you already got one of those big plastic buckets like he does on the, like, his infomercials or whatever, where he just has, like, the whole, like, five-year supply of, like, mac and cheese in a bucket, and he's just, like, so with a shovel, and he's just like, look at it. Look at the cheesy dance. That's all I got so it for. Is, I didn't get it because sell... I'm a prepper. I got it for the mac and cheese, bro. So my question is, they sell mac and cheese in a bucket that's supposed to last you for years and years. Because last me, last supplies, me a week, right? bro. Well, the thing is, I'm sure that they don't even bother selling toilet paper because all that mac and cheese, you're not going to shit, like, at all. Well, it depends on the mac and cheese. I mean... Well, let me tell you this. If you're in the bunker, you know, you only got that one that one toilet, you know, you don't want to... It really depends on the mac and cheese. You're lactose intolerant, you're fucked. Like, you're, you're just done. Some just of those mac and cheese have that uh, magnesium uh, citrate or whatever in them. Mag citrate? <laughs> yeah. I got a if bottle of that in my bathroom. It's the best for curing stomach aches, man. If you're a uh, if you're lactose intolerant, you know it's gonna be like Ned outside the I I gotta outside tell you the bunker. Citrate story off the uh, off the air. Remind me. No, fuck that. Tell it right no, now. <laughs> right now, I want to hear no, your story about how you almost shit your pants I right now. I can't. I'll tell you later. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> um, that's and what it is too. You almost shit your pants, isn't it? You almost shit I your gave pants, the alien a bottle of mag citrate to see if he had a normal human digestive system. I figured that we could check, and if he took a shit right there, then that was not an alien, George. It was a, a person in a gray suit. Um. In, in 1996, a document called the uh, Majestic 12 Special Operations Manual um, is circulated among uh, ufologists, um, but it um, but it is widely considered to be like a fake and also a continuation of the MJ-12 myth. Um, but but um, Linda Mouton Howe and Stanton Freeman believe that the MJ-12 documents are authentic. Um, uh, so I'm sorry, they believe they're what? Authentic. Authentic. Oh, authentic. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, and and Friedman has has looked over the documents and has argued that um, the United States government has conspired to cover up the knowledge of of a crashed extraterrestrial spacecraft. 
Oh, really? What spacecraft was that? Like Roswell. Uh, okay. All right, they didn't know that. Um, okay. So, uh, a, a journalist named Howard Bloom, um, he says that the, the name Majestic 12 had been uh, prefigured in, U- in the UFO community when Bill Moore asked the National Enquirer um, uh, their, their reporter, uh, Bob Pratt, in 1982, to collaborate on a novel called Magic 12. Why is it always um, 12? And magic is spelled with a J. Why is it always 12? It's a good solid number. Yeah, uh, it's like 4. Well, like, well the, 12, the 12. The 12 is like the group of individuals who are in the committee. Okay. Alright, okay. So it's 12 committee members. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, uh, because of this, uh, Bloom thinks that, that Pratt had always been inclined to think that the Majestic 12 documents were a hoax. What is um, the official at, uh, trilateral troika stance? <laughs> I think they're fake. So fuck it, they're fake. Fuck. Um, a, a skeptic, a skeptic author named Brian Dunning investiga- investigated the history of Majestic Twelve um, and reported in a 2016 Skeptoid podcast episode uh, the history, uh, the secret history of Majestic Twelve about them. Um, he cited that that uh, Bill Moore's suspicion um, that rather than a hoax. Um, perpetrated by the UFO community that they were actually part of a disinformation campaign on part of the U.S. government to deflect attention from U.S. Air Force projects. I mean, it makes sense. Um, and well, let people believe dumb shit so that you can continue R&D with privacy. You don't have to worry about people like actually realizing what you are actually developing. Yeah. That's my stance on. We have to. All we have to remember that the the Cold War is still on. So if like Soviet, like the KGB hears about this, like they're going to be sending like people to New Mexico to to sort of like look for these projects and try to get information. Right. But if we're just like no no, it's just some crazy guy talking about flying saucers, mm-hmm. then then it, then it doesn't give as much you know credence to it. So they're not going to be willing to devote resources to That's it. That's my stance right. on all alien shit. Is what? It's just made up. It's all it's all propaganda or disinformation to Yeah, that's that's pretty much my thoughts on it. Okay. There's no proof so, of any of it, Ryan. Like there's literally no real proof. It's all it's all bullshit. <clears throat> I look at I view aliens like Christians view God. I would just I believe in them. They're there. They're they, we just we haven't contacted them, but there is just too much of an expanse of universe for there not to I'm be. I'm not saying evolution. I'm, I didn't somewhere. say that aliens don't exist. I I'm talking about any evidence that they exist now that we have. Okay, like physical evidence is, that we have. Okay, is horseshit. No, yeah. wait, no, 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 no. Um, the uh video. Oh, you've got it. Fighter pilots. <laughs> that the, no, no, no. The video that the um, fighter pilots have from their jets at the Pentagon released recently, where they said, "Listen, we don't well, know what it is." Just because they don't well, know the what thing it about is, that doesn't mean it's an alien. But the best, until you can definitively tell me otherwise, those are aliens. The best <laughs> argument I've heard was in J.J. Abrams' UFO documentary that was on Showtime, was that the theory that it was the the Air Force fucking with the Navy in order to test their own uh, new drones. Because all the disclosures are coming from the Navy, and the Air Force has been silent about most of it. God damn it. Fuck, I thought we had something. <laughs> um, so, Listen, I'm not going to lie. For the longest time, I was like, holy shit, this might be legit. Like, this is it. Fuck you and your goddamn rationality, Steve. I hate you. <laughs> I hate so, your rationality bringing me back down to Earth. Uh, 
1982, while this was all going on, uh, Moore um, confines in uh, Shandera that he began to receive officially classified information regarding UFOs, um, and, and he was trying to uh, verify that the material that he came across um, with several other members of the intelligence community as to whether or not um, it was legit and whether or not they were willing to disseminate information. Um, in 1982, uh, Paul Benowitz begins to uh, spread his ideas regarding a base at Dulce, New Mexico um, to others in the UFO community. Um, so Dulce is like a... Um, I've heard of this It's one. like a, a Mesa area in New Mexico, sort of around the area that he lives in. Um, a lot of the theories go into that there's like an underground base there where where aliens are working with the United States government and they're doing experimentation on people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it also is connected to other secret bases across the United States through super secret high-speed um, underground like railroad tunnels. So the only thing that I don't know is is it is it Dulce or is it Dolce like Dolce de Leche or is it Dulce? I think it's I think like the locals might say Dulce, but I think the correct pronunciation is Dolce. Okay, so Dolce base. Yeah, no, I've heard a lot about Dolce base. Um, it's it's very good. It's a very very deep rabbit hole to go down. It's um, obviously so, bullshit, but it's still fun. So this all begins to be spread among the UFO community. Um, and in 1987, a, a ufologist named uh, John Lear um, yes. claimed that he had independent confirmations that the base existed. John Lear. Like Lear Jet? John Lear? Uh, I think he was related to, to that, to that, that family. Lear? To that Lear? But I don't think he's like the, like the founder of the company, Lear. Okay. I think he does have some connections to them, but it, it's just very much like a like a rich guy whose hobby is like UFOs. Yeah, like you understand like Bob why I would Bigelow. make the connection UFOs and private jets and everything else. Like Bob Bigelow. The guy that like Aeros yeah. like multimillionaire or whatever that works with George Knapp. Is that Deuce's great uncle? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Bigelow, he was, Deuce's great uncle. Oh, Deuce Bigelow. He was gonna yeah. be in the sequel. Isn't Deuce Bigelow a, a big like maggot chud now? He is. Rob Schneider's a huge chud, and I hate oh, it. Sad. He's so funny. That's sad. He's so funny. Um, so while this is like going on in, in 1988, um, Weekly World News published a story entitled "UFO Base Found in New Mexico," which claimed, "quote unquote," diabolical invaders from another solar system in New Mexico, and it claimed that, "quote unquote," diabolical invaders from another solar system has set up a secret underground base in the rugged mountains of northern New Mexico as they can Shanghai human guinea pigs for bizarre genetic experiments. Because a lot of what's described from the people who claim to have been to, like, uh, Dolce and escaped from it, like, what they describe, like, the human experimentation is like that scene in, like, Alien Resurrection with, all, like, the Ripley clones. Yeah, like, yeah, like that's yeah. what they're describing, like, humans, humans in, like, cages and tanks and, like, weird like clones that like some of them don't have any bones like that type of thing like the uh kill me kill me like that type yeah, yeah. of level like, stuff kill me now i'm in so much pain just get yeah yeah, yeah. um and they they had quoted um supposedly that a, a ufologist named uh leonard uh stringfield was their source but stringfield would later say that that he never uh that he never gave them those quotes and he quote unquote never read such a distortion of facts in my life 
Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, a, a political scientist named Michael uh, Barkin, um, he sort of says, the, you know, that um, that during the period of the Cold War, where there's a lot of like underground missile installations, it gave a lot of plausibility to these rumors, and it made the Dolce-based story very attractive, you know, since people aren't really finding what they're looking for on the surface. They, they sort of uh, think that it's probably underground, which is a lot of, like, sort of goes into, like, modern-day, like, QAnon thinking about, like, the underground pedophile rings are literally, like, underground to the point where they claim that, like, they're, like, mole children that live underground that the elites are, like, sexually assaulting. I want to do an episode on QAnon because it's, it's not... Like, we can almost argue that it's not current. QAnon has its base in history of, like, the satanic panic. Well, it's still, it's still going. It's still ongoing. And there are, there are full, like, podcasts dedicated to QAnon. We couldn't do one episode on, like, QAnon because it's such a broad, like... It's so crazy big. Yeah, but, like, we, it would be like if it was like, yeah, we're gonna do a single hour and a half podcast on the entirety of, like, UFOs. Easy, no pressure. I'm not really interested. <laughs> I feel like yeah, I'm not I feel like that, I'm, I'm out for that one. I think I got to move that day. I feel <laughs> like the uh, QAnon people are literally the lowest level of human thought, and uh, I just not they don't. It doesn't interest me at all to talk. Yeah, about. it's it's very much like it. It's one thing is that it's it's a very syncretic like belief system. And no one agrees on any one thing, so it's not like, like when we talked about like a conspiracy theorist or, or someone like say Lyndon Larouche, it's easy because you know Lyndon Larouche ran a cult of person- personality, like he was the person in charge, he dictated what they believed. But in QAnon, there's no one person, like there's there's a random which could almost be called a prophet who's Q who just gives them these random drops that that they sort of interpret, like they go over. It's called baking. Where they go over what's in the statement that's made, and they sort of jump to conclusions with what was what was said. It's a jump to conclusions, Matt. <laughs> yeah. So it's they're they're almost literally reading the tea leaves. Like they're they're just sort of looking at something. It, it's almost like you know, like looking at like oracle bones or like sheep Yarrow guts, and sort of like interpreting the future and divining the I Ching. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. So, and and one of the things that comes in as well is that there's sort of like in the mythos of Dolce Base, there's a double cross that the aliens and Delta Force, who are Delta Force, are the ones that are allegedly in charge of running um, security at these installations. Like they they get into fights with the aliens. Oh my he, god! Chuck Norris. And he just yeah, <laughs> and he, he just talks about how um, that this is just like well outside of. Uh, the most far-fetched reports of secret underground bases. Um, one of the guys that becomes popular in the in the 90s as a UFO sort of circuit uh, regular is a guy named Philip Schneider. And you can look at uh, Philip Schneider's uh, videos on, on YouTube um, where he claims that he was a veteran of one of these firefights, that he had been a contractor who was working on these bases and that they had, they had drilled into a section of an existent base and that there were gray aliens there, and there was a standoff, and they it started a firefight. And Philip Schneider had a messed up hand, like like some of his like fingers were missing. I think he had sort of like a gimped hand, and he claimed that it was because he had got shot by one of the alien weapons in his hand, and that's why he like 
was missing fingers and his hand was all sort of gimpy. So what's the real reason? Uh, I, I, it's never been found out because he's just some dude. Chronic like, masturbation. Yeah. <laughs> you can't go at yourself that much. Uh, and, and Philip Schneider, like, he'd have a lot of health problems. He was also part of what was called the American Patriot Movement, which is sort of like that Alex Jones, um, sort of, uh, sort of like 90s style, like, like fighting the New World Order type movement. Um, and he would eventually, like, hang himself. So he becomes sort of like a martyr of that movement, yeah. uh, most likely because of his like ongoing health problems. But they say it was because he was like too close to the truth. Right. <laughs> too close. He got too close to the truth. It's like, you know. Ugh. But the, the the community around Dolce though, um, they they sort of like boost up these claims of it being a UFO base by saying like they've seen UFOs or moving lights and other sort of like phenomena in the area. Um, and the head of the, the Apache Legislative Council, uh, or the Gicarilla Apache Legislative Council, um, the president, Ty uh, Vicente, um, he says, quote-unquote, that they've embraced the notion of a Dolce base, partly in a push to stimulate tourism. And in 2016, the town hosted the Dolce Base UFO Conference at the local casino hotel. So, it was a Best Western <laughs> well, it had a casino, so it was better than a Best uh, Western. Listen, best we don't know what Best Western Out West does. They might have casinos in the Out West. Oh, man. Um, so in, in 1988, um, our boy um, Benowitz writes a, a paper called The Beta Report. Andy Williams. Or Project Beta. Um, and, and Project I bet Beta, he did this write report. Project Beta. And this report details how the base, how the base of Dolce might be successfully attacked by Sigma males. Yes, <laughs> the, the, all the strongest sing, Sigma males. So, but after he writes this paper um, in 1988 as well, um, he, uh, Benowitz is checked into a psychiatric hospital by his family because he's become so unhinged that they they have to commit. What year is this? 1988. Come on. He should have been really? should have been committed like five years ago. He'll he'll eventually be committed two more times after this. That's bad. Now my thing is is was this man mentally unhealthy before the U.S. government decided to unibomber his ass essentially? Or <laughs> why well, wouldn't say to unibomb? Well, the unibomber kind of gaslit himself, and I'm just gonna say that a lot of what Ted Kaczynski like wrote about was correct, but. <laughs> Yeah, no, I no, I understand. I'm just saying, like, they still performed experiments on him and Whitey Bulger and all those other fuckers. Why would? Yeah, but like, well, the the thing with Kaczynski is is negligible. Like, they don't like it's. We're not entirely sure if they did do the experiments on him. Really? Um, yeah, what? like there's no. there's there's still no. some debate as, as whether or not it, they did it with him. Um, I believe they did though. In my heart of hearts, we don't uh, we don't know the extent. Radio Lab episode. I mean, I understand that you should never take just one source, but uh, it really made it seem like we know that that happened. Last podcast, on well, they well they did it. Like, kind of have not evidence, but they alluded to the fact that it probably did happen. What I just want to say that like him doing, I, I mean that like him doing acid, like I don't think pushed him to the point to realize that like. The advances in technology we were making would like fundamentally change 
um, society an overall negative and, poss- and possibly like society ending catastrophe in the same way like Karl Marx talks about the industrialization of society. Okay. Like I think I think that it wasn't so much that like he did like they did acid and experimented on him. Because, like, they did that to Whitey Bulger, but I think, like, Whitey Bulger was always like that. He was always, like, a sociopath. Yeah, he, he, uh, he let me just, uh, let me interject some personal experience here. Whitey Bulger was always a fucking psychopath. Yeah. Regardless of what was done to him, that dude was a fucking lunatic. Yeah. Um, so, uh, as, as this is going on into the 80s, um, in order to protect members of the community that, that Moore and Shandara are, are sort of interfacing with for this information, um, they give the members um, code names that are um, that, that are pseudonyms, the first of which is Falcon. The rest were given um, bird names, which is why they're referred to as the aviary. I want to be Swallow. Unfortunately, <laughs> I believe there's already a Swallow. Fuck! Oh no! I, I think it only sparrow. There's not a swallow. Yeah, you could be swallow, bro. <laughs> um. So they were all um, individuals that had low-grade intelligence um, sort of clearances, um, and they were that they had worked or had um, they were working on or had worked at high levels um, with high secu- uh, security clearances in the past. Um, and it is, it's certain that a lot of them became involved to the UFO phenomenon in the early 70s, um, and that that this group also included both active and retired military and intelligence officers. Hmm. Okay. Um, and it seemed that the objective of this group was to make known to the public details about the government's involvement in extraterrestrials and technology gained from crashed UFOs. Right. Like you do. <laughs> like one does. Um, and it's believed as well that certain members of the aviary had joined um, the aviary in order to gather information on Majestic 12. Jesus. Um, so, because they were all members of the intelligence community, um, they had been involved with red contacts um, in the UFO field, um, and their aim was to access these secret files and to gather information that would provide them with a greater understanding of this Majestic 12 group. I swear to God, the reason more people don't follow, like, conspiracy theories with, you know, particular regards to ufology is because this shit is just so goddamn confusing. Um, And it seems, though, that there was an overlap in in sort of, like, the alleged members of the the aviary and those of, like, the Majestic 12 conspiracy, and and I'll sort of get to that, um, what, what sort of comes out later on. Again, so confusing. Unnecessarily confusing. So this this whole sort of situation causes um, a division uh, within the aviary, um, with some wanting to publicize information regarding the U.S. Oh, government's shit. knowledge of UFOs, and then some that were opposed to it. <laughs> Bird fight. Bird fight. Um, and it's 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 highly probable that it, in order to discredit uh, UFO researchers and to protect their own status, that some members of the aviary were feeding. Um, disinformation to global researchers. For instance, we know that Moore was doing this to Benowitz. Right. Um, and that this this would in turn cause disarray and, and arguments amongst the UFO community, and it would also protect their own activities. Um, so, like, a lot of the electronic signals that Benowitz intercepted uh, 
that that they were most likely after they knew he was listening, it was most likely disinformation that had been transmitted to him to make him increasingly paranoid. Um, and this is a quote on it. Uh, established constant direct communication from Benowitz. Established direct constant direct communication with the alien. Subsequent aerial and ground photographs revealed landing pylon ships on the ground, aliens on the ground, and electrostatically supported vehicles charging beam weapons. The aliens are picking up and quote-unquote cutting people every night. Whether all implants are totally effective, I cannot predict. Conservatively, I would estimate at least 300,000 people have been implanted in the U.S., at least 2 million worldwide. And you have to remember, Benowitz is... He he's a electronics and communications expert, and and he was seen as and he was seen as being astute, um, who would not easily, uh, who would not be easy uh, to fool from those those sort of credentials, um, <laughs> and, that, and that it would be reasonable that to assume that these would be original messages that he had intercepted and were genuine, um, and that and that he was sort of like the perfect patsy for that reason to sort of spread this information. Let me ask you something so I can get insight from the two of you. Why is it back in the 80s someone would say, you know, I have X credentials, and people would be like, oh, shit, they're an authority. Now, in the year of our Lord 2021, someone says, I have X credentials, and people say, ah, well, you know, whatever. Like, it doesn't really mean anything. Like, credentials aren't what they used to be. Why? Well, I think it mainly has to do with the fact that a lot of people today like social media and the internet has allowed them to operate on, on id and sort of to project that in ways that you wouldn't have been able to perceive that before. Um, so like when someone doesn't agree with something and you're sort of like, well, prove it. And then they look through like books or they go to the library or whatever, however willing they are sort of stick by their argument, which is generally like not a lot. Right. Um, they'll, they'll eventually like cave in and say like, well, I guess you're right. Um, but cause we live in a day where we have, a micro computer in our in the palm of our hands like we can look up any information we want and even if it's incorrect information you can say well this guy says mm-hmm. you know that ivermectin mixed with like bud light like limonada is what <laughs> what, what <laughs> is what cures the coronavirus and so you're wrong and this is just big government trying to big big ventilator trying to innovate me when, it, in actuality. Is it, is it a case of cognitive dissonance? Yes. Is that what it, it is? Always is. Okay. Yes. No, it literally, it's, it's, it's always it's, been it's, a case of cognitive dissonance, but nowadays it's, the it's Dunning-Kruger is so much more like, it's superfluous. Like, there's just too much information out there. And so people... It's like Dunning-Kruger their, writ large. People anchor to okay. their, like, uh, uh, prejudices and and uh, all kinds of things, you know. So they go towards the news that fits their narrative as much as possible. And then once they, and I, once I, they're I, in that anchoring mode, it's nearly impossible to get them to change. I mean, I get it because, like, you can study something for a decade and then somebody with 10 seconds of Google research will be like, no, that's wrong. And it's infuriating because it's like, no, I've done this for, like, a decade. Yeah. I know what the actual correct answer to this is, but... You know, Dude, just because Google tells you something doesn't necessarily. I have a friend. Rude. Yeah, absolutely. And I have a friend, uh, and he used to get really mad at me because he would come in the office. It was a coworker. He'd come in the office and he would start mashing off the mouth at like about like some random thing, and then I would look it up on Snopes, right? 
and there would be an article on there disproving it. And then I would look it up in other places to confirm. Because Snopes, he'd say that's some liberal bullshit. Exactly. So (laughs) because it's liberal, he questioned the validity of it, even though most of the time Snopes is fairly accurate. Like, and it's research, there's sources for all the information. But he would just immediately throw that information out. However, to Steve's point, you know, social media and the internet have made it so easy for someone to just go out there and A, people can fabricate anything and make it look totally legitimate. And you think somebody would do that? Just go well, on the internet and tell lies? Yeah, what do you think QAnon well, think, is? What do you think QAnon I think, is? QAnon is just a well, fucking, it's just a goddamn op. Also, how it's we an arc, the but internet makes you stupid? Don't ever forget that. I would I would say that a lot of it has to do with not the fact that, like, someone making something believable is just, whatever it is, as long as it justifies the way you feel or the way you think, like, you'll go with it. Like, QAnon is very obviously, like, it's been, like, a lot of the pictures and stuff that were posted that were, were, like, allegedly, like, proof that he was, like, a, a, a White House insider or whatever have been, like, proven false. Like, a lot of the photos were from the Obama administration. Right. Like, just things like that. Um, but it doesn't matter to those people because they've bought in. It's like somebody who's in a cult. That's where the, like, uh, what's it called, comes into play, the cognitive and, dissonance. They've already... Yeah, the cognitive dissonance... And then also, too, like, the the failure of prophecy, which a lot of people would think logically that if the prophecy fails, you know, the people who believe in it will walk away from it. <laughs> but in reality, a, a large number of people who, who have, like, bought into this prophecy, they just see it as further sort of, like, confirmation that they were right in believing in the prophecy yeah. and that it'll happen later on. That like, for instance, like your... Sprinkle of sunk cost fallacy. Like, like, for instance, like your Jehovah's Witnesses, a lot of those sort of, like, apocalyptic, like, Christian cults. Yeah. Like, like when they say, like, like after the Great Disappointment happened, like, a lot of people left, you know, that, that, that branch of, like, that, that specific church, but some didn't. Like, some doubled down. The end timers used to be when I was... Uh, on the rescue still uh, the end timers used to be in the area that I would service and boy let me tell you about these people they were oh they were nuttier than squirrel shit fucking lunatics they dude were, they're fucking fu- but they were but here's the thing the worst part of then this is it is the worst part about it is they were so nice it's you could just tell that they had just like the worst case of brain worms Imaginable because they were like the nicest people in the world. Nice people in the world. Like, hands down, full stop. Like, they were on par with, like, if you imagine, like, a religious person as you picture well, that you gotta be, you, in your mind. I would say you, you like pretty that. much have to be nice if God's on the other side of whatever door you might open that day. Fair. <laughs> you know? But anyway. Um, so, a lot of this, you know, is, like, it's believable enough for Benowitz that, you know, Benowitz also... He has a very, like, colossal, like, breakdown in 1985 as well. Um, this is before his family commits him in 1988. Like, like over the information he's receiving, he has a nervous, like, a very colossal nervous breakdown. Okay, um, got and this is one of those things, too. Mental health. Because there's, there's no doubt that the U.S. military and intelligence agencies have have experimented on, on human beings without their knowledge and consent for decades, um, so a lot of what he's like saying does have plausibility for that reason. Like the idea that the U.S. government would sort of like sell out 
the citizens of the of the American people so, for, for uh, sort of like a like a key at advancement is not that far fetched. Right. Because you have things like the Tuskegee experiments and things like that, where like the U.S. government just sort of like literally destroys people in order to gain what can only be called like minute like scientific like information. Like, like, even with, like, the Tuskegee experiments, no one says, like, well, if it wasn't for the Tuskegee experiments, we never would have, like, solved, like, solved the syphilis issue. Like, they didn't learn anything from these, just like the Nazis didn't learn anything from their human experimentation right. programs. It's also all just garbage. they didn't have any of their experiments were not... They didn't have... Ugh. Fuck, God, I hate this shit so much because I've heard people use this, like, they would go, oh, but the Nazis, they, they did so much scientific research. Well, no, they, they didn't. No, fuck you, because nothing, none of it was useful. There was like, some useful was part, but it was all military. Method. It was all military. No, dude, like, nothing that they experienced well, there's, people with were useful Nah, none of the medical degree. shit was useful. Well, there was, there was some stuff that was, like, well, we know, like, the exact temperature that someone, like, can't function or whatever. They're, like, such high... Unit seven thirty one did a lot of the same stuff that the that the Germans did. Um, that that's one of the reasons why the Soviets sort of like pardoned all the Unit seven thirty one people. Uh. Like they said, just give us all your all your information, and we'll let you See, go. This is what I think UFO shit is. I think it is it is something to make a bunch of conspiracy nuts who would normally be looking down the right rabbit holes look down the wrong rabbit holes. Right. Correct. Cause so, I'm, I so you can understand that, like the shit that went on in World War Two, it, it pales in comparison to some of the crap that they're trying to pull off now. No, um, like think about it like this: if you diverted your attention from going down the rabbit hole of there being a child sex ring underneath a fucking pizza shop, <laughs> instead of so fucking your ridiculous. Devote your attention to hi, these billionaires are flying fucking women on private planes to private islands to fuck and molest right. them, a la Jeffrey Epstein. Focus your attention on shit that actually happened. Yeah. Yep. We will we will not besmirch uh, Chris Tucker on this podcast for saying <laughs> so. Because uh, um, it's Friday, you ain't got no job. So so a lot of what Benowitz is intercepting and like what he comes to believe, like it does have because of what we talked about, it does have that air of like that that crumb of believability to it. Hmm. Um, Those do all good conspiracy theories. So just a smidge of truth. So, um, on the subject of the aviary, uh, Jamie uh, Shandera, um, he said, uh, I don't think Jamie Shandera had, because he was was a public member, so he didn't have a a code name. Well, then we shouldn't even talk Um, about him. So, he he said on the aviary, um, we wanted the information, but didn't want to reveal... He's a loser. We, we only talk about people that are actually named after birds. We only talk about real talk alpha about birds. <laughs> we wanted the information but didn't want to reveal where we got our clues. To maintain uh, anonymity, I gave Bill's source the name Falcon. The next source we used, uh, we called Condor, and so on until we had 24 contacts from all levels of the government. It was my idea to use bird names. And that was who? Jamie? Uh, that was Jamie Shandera. Um, and when asked if the aviary was regarded as dif- uh, disinformation, uh, Shandera replied, uh, no, but sometimes you have to uh, misdirect the truth in order to protect your source. Dis- disinformation is an escape route. 
You can discredit an entire project by referring to the one bad apple you've planted. Fuck, I hate these people. This is exactly goddamn QAnon anti-vax um, bullshit. They pointed a one goddamn so, article that that lunatic made, and they're like, oh, no, I'm not listening to anything that current science has to say. So we do know um, some of the identities of the members That's the of the aviary. That's um, in- Including one of them, who's a commander named C.B. Scott Jones, a retired uh, naval intelligence officer. Um, C.B. Jones. So he, he admits that there was such a group, and it was endeavoring to persuade the, the U.S. government yeah. to reveal more knowledge about UFOs, which would sound familiar to what's going on today with the UAPs. UAPs? Yeah, that's what they refer to UFOs now as UAPs. What is UAPs? Unidentified aerial. Unidentified aerial phenomena. Yeah. Oh, I took a okay. stab at that, but I, I wasn't. I didn't know if I was right or not. And then Steve said the same thing, and I felt real good about myself. Scott <laughs> Scott Jones said about it. I was in naval intelligence for 15 years, and I never saw any documents relating to UFOs. I am skeptical about a lot of evi- a lot of the evidence. I don't find it compelling, but I believe there is a very high probability that we're being um, impinged upon by non-Earth intelligence. The aviary has not met for years, the only exception being those who are just friends. Okay. So regardless of what the the aims of the aviary were, um, it does seem that a primary faction of them wish to discredit um, uh, ufologists um, uh, ultimately um, to influence the actions of the group um, more in Chandera uh, were being just manipulated pawns in the campaign um, which was designed to sort of devalue any sort of genuine inf- information gathering that was to be made by researchers so at a, at a MUFON conference in, in um, uh, June 30th uh, 1989 that ran to July 2nd um, Moore claimed um, he, he sort of gives uh, gives this sort of talk that he hasn't really told people what's going to be the the content of it. He goes up to the podium and he sort of states that you know he's been in uh, he's been engaged in a disinformation campaign against Paul Benowitz for years on behalf of the uh, the Air Force Office of Special Investigations. Um, so when he reveals this to like Mufon, because there's always sort of like infighting in Mufon, like like just sort of chaos erupts um and and after he sort of gives these revelations uh benowitz doesn't take any questions and he leaves excuse me and sort of after this he's like run out of mufon because the fact that he's running as like a disinformation agent for the government regardless of of why he was doing it which was he claims to sort of gain legitimate information but in turn he was just being given more fake information he he sort of like leaves um leaves that sort of circle mm-hmm. um he's, he stops being uh, a ufologist because he's sort of been um discredited and run out of the community okay. um it should be noted as well that around the time that he does this probably at the behest of his handlers in may of 1989 um bob lazar would appear in an interview with george knapp on las vegas tv um under under the pseudonym dennis um as sort of like a hidden interviewee with this sort of like face obscured where he talked about S4, the facility that's at Area 51. So it almost seems like as well that one disinf- disinformation campaign ends um, just right after another disinformation campaign starts. Mm-hmm. 
And while I don't think Bob Lazar was a government agent, I do think that Bob Lazar was used as, as another sort of figure after they had, like, thoroughly, like, used Benowitz. And I think the fact that Benowitz had, like, had to be committed in 1988 sort of gave them the, the idea that, like, they need to shut this down because, like, they've gotten all they can out of him, literally. Right. Um, so... Moore believed, like, he honestly believed that the MJ-12 papers were a reward for covering up classified programs that the government was doing. Um, so he believed that a lot of this was sort of like that there were real UFOs, and that there were UFOs that were government programs like drones and other sort of experimental aircraft, and that by mixing the two together, he felt that he was on, like, a higher level where, where he would be given, you know, the real UFO stuff as opposed to the government program stuff. Um, Fuck out of here. Rich, Richard Doty <laughs> is is still active. Um, he's he's been making the interview circuit over the last um, decade or so, um, and 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 especially during the recent like UAP disclosures. Um, and he continues a lot of his like claims that he had made to Benowitz. Um, he does admit that he had a hand in leaking the MJ12 documents, um, and but he denies that he had involvement with what's called uh, Project Serpo. Um, in Project Serpo were papers that claim that 12 American military personnel um, were given a special visit to Zeta Reticuli as sort of like ambassadors. Right. Uh, which happened. And, yes. <laughs> um, Benowitz does claim, though, that like an alien had been recovered and all that stuff. So he's still very much like, he's a very untrustworthy individual. Like anything he says, you shouldn't believe because he still has that sort of like air of like, well, he says, well, that was fake. But actually... But it'll actually say, like, oh, well, you know, this other thing did happen. You know, we did get an alien. He's a lunatic. He just does that Chappelle show, like, the the president, like, where he's like, this is Gleep Corp, and he's giving me the cure to AIDS. Oh, God. You want some yellow um, cake? So, of the probable members oh of the God. aviary... <laughs> it took a second for that Dave Chappelle's... I got some yellow cake yellow right cake. here. <laughs> just don't drop and, that shit. Don't drop it, that shit. It's it's rather interesting too because a lot of the individuals that were involved in the aviary were also ones that were involved in misinformation, especially uh, mind control experiments and also sort of the the Project Stargate stuff that we had talked about in the past. Um, John Alexander, um, he was a member of Army Intelligence um, and he had been involved in mind control experiments. He was a member um, or believed to be a member. Um, Commander uh, C. B. Scott Jones was also believed to be a member. Um, he also admitted to being a member, um, and it's believed that his uh, code name was Falcon. Uh, Bruce Maccabee um, was the code name Seagull. Um, he was involved in research into optic phys <laughs> optical physics and laser weapons at the okay. U.S. Naval Surface Weapons Laboratory in Berlin. Code name Seagull. That's the worst fucking name. <laughs> I think it's because he was a naval intelligence guy. Uh, um, Charles. Charles Green, who was a medical now. doctor, he was known as Blue Jay. Um, he had been involved in remote viewing experiments, um, and he was later the the chief of biomedical sciences at at General Motors. Yeah, me um, too. Harold Harold, <laughs> Harold Putoff, who we had talked about before, um, and, and when we talked about remote viewing, he was Owl, um, and he was a physicist at the Institute for Advanced Research in Austin, Texas, and. Uh, UFO uh, mainstay uh, Jacques Follet 
Um, he was Partridge. Jacques Vallée. Because Jacques Vallée... Vallée. We've talked about him before, haven't we? Yeah. Not like as an episode, yeah. but... Yeah, he's he's like a big UFO guy. He's still around. Um, say, he, say he's a French. Now. He's originally a French national. Um, he had worked at the Defense Department as a computer expert, um, and that he had before then been investigating UFOs for the French government. Okay. Sigma male. Um, some other <laughs> members that were believed to be in the aviary were Captain Robert Collins, who was given the name Condor. He was in the. Uh, he was a special agent of the Office of Special Investigations. Yeah. He had been involved in UFO uh, uh, intelligence activities. Um, Ernest uh, Keller Strauss, who is the codename Hawk, um, he had worked at Wright Patterson Air Force Base and was involved in alien and UFO research. Uh, Richard Doty was believed to be Sparrow. Um, some also think he might have been Falcon. He was with the, of course, the U.S. Army Air Force or the U.S. Air Force. Office of Special Investigations. Um, Jacques Verona was Raven. Um, he had been a researcher into psychic warfare. Um, and Ronald uh, Pandolfi, who is the codename Pelican, uh, the deputy director for the Division of Science and Technology at the CIA, um, he had also been secretly leaking UFO information for several years. Um, like you do. Some less... Some, <laughs> some, some sort of more out there like theories on who were members of the aviary were... Um, Henry Kissinger, um, Barry Hennessy, um, General Albert Stubblebine, who was the codename Heron. He had been the head of the U.S. Army or the U.S. Military Remote Viewing and Psychic Warfare Program, which we had talked about. Um, and Brent uh, uh, Scowcraft, um, who was a national uh, security advisor. So, like, a list of the who's who of kind of questionable individuals. Yeah, so all of these guys. Heard that name before? Well, Brent, the, Brent, isn't it Brent Scowcroft? Yeah, Scowcroft. Okay. I've heard that name before. Um. So while some of these, like, while these people might have been involved in like these leaks and, and sort of the community, it, it also makes them very subjects. Their whole sort of mo and and what their job is is like misinformation and like influencing the like minds of people. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so they're very much like the disinformation people are telling you information, like what's real and what's not real, and it seems very likely, you know, that what they're telling you is not real. I mean, yeah, right. It's it's almost like from a, from a standpoint, it's the it's the parable of the the scorpion and the frog. Right. You know, like. You know the 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 frog trusts the scorpion. The scorpion asks him to bring him across the water. The frog does, and then because the, the frog thinks the scorpion's going to sting him, and the the scorpion swears he won't. And then the scorpion stings him while they're mid while they're mid water, and he says, "Well, why'd you do that? We're both going to die." And the scorpion says, "Well, it's in my nature." Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like right. it's in the nature of these individuals to do this, and it seems like they do have. A legitimate effort from the establishment now, to do I this. Now, I think, though, that in 2021, the frog would just give him a bad rating on Uber, right? <laughs> you just say, one star, bro. <laughs> one star, waitress was nice. Listen, uh, shut the fuck up. Do not allow them to give the opportunity to rate your servers at restaurants. Shh. Don't even speak that into fucking existence. Well, no, that's the that's the one. If you ever read like the reviews on Google Maps, like 
people post like one star reviews about a restaurant, they'll just yeah, be no, like, no, no, that's fine, that's fine, that's fine. Don't, yeah, they'll be like, to existence one star waitress, don't, well, no, no, that's what they're saying. They're saying one star for the restaurant, but they're like, the waitress was nice. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, no, I just, it, the minute you say that, it is some fucking asshole corporate person is gonna be like, I felt a disturbance in the force. <laughs> A new way to rate our staff and to cut back on labor money, like, because they're gonna start tying your 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 stars as a server to pay. It's gonna no, oh fuck no. Mm-mm. I'm with you. Yeah, no, they'll do it. Although, so I will say, um, whenever like the vendors at my work send me a uh, like a survey for how they're doing, because we get them regularly from all our our like software and platform vendors, I just I always put a zero. And I get an email immediately. From, I, I'll start getting emails for like weeks <laughs> from some person in HR. Why'd you write a zero? What's wrong with it? What's wrong with that? What's wrong with it? I'm well, like, no, I, you don't understand. I was putting a zero there because you're fucking bothering me. I don't want to rank your service. Fuck you. Well, apparently <laughs> on most service. Apparently on most reviews, if you don't give a five, it's considered a failure. Oh yeah, no, yeah. No, no, so no, no, if no, you listen. don't rate your Uber driver a five, we, yeah. yeah, I know what I know what Steve's saying, but I'm just saying in we general. We do reviews at like, work, performance reviews from customers. So we send out a survey every time a ticket gets closed, and if you don't get a five, they'll call you about it. Like, and it's never something like crazy. Like, most of the like four star reviews, there's no negatives on them. It's just someone who's I gave never going to give you. Because it took a while to get connected. No, they did, they don't write anything. The service Ryan. was fantastic. No, they don't write anything. They just say service was fantastic. It was quick. Four stars. And then my boss is like, "Yeah, I don't know why they gave you four stars, but I had to give you a call." And I'm like, "I don't give a shit what stars they gave what? me." What? You know? What? Yeah. Any anything below a five is considered to be like a failure. Yeah. Unless my job's at Jeopardy, don't fucking call me. Yeah, exactly. Basically, that's basically what I want to do. Yeah, 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 yeah. We try not to micromanage people anymore, and nobody fills out the fucking surveys anyway. So, but now that we've talked about the aviary and, and the cautionary tale of like Paul Benowitz, what do you what do you guys think of the the current UAP craze? I'm listen. I don't give a shit, Steve. That you just <laughs> broke my heart thirty minutes ago. Okay. <laughs> I really thought that, like, that was it. Like, there is definitive proof. You son of a Pentagon bitch. Pentagon is like, yo, we don't know what it is. You're going to be smoking weed with a gray alien. He's going to be like, hi, Lamo. Wait a minute. Okay, so you said you think that it is the Air Force fucking with the Navy, right? Yeah, that that seems to be a good hypothesis on what it is. So then, okay. If the, okay. if Let's just assume it's the Air Force fucking with the Navy. How could the Pentagon in good faith say that we actually don't know what these things are? Well, the Air Force is a component of well, the what? forces which the Pentagon oversees, which stands to reason. They should know exactly what the Air Force is capable of. Well, what, what it is is that essentially that, first off, the U.S. military always tests itself. It doesn't test against foreign equipment. It always tests against its own equipment. And one way to sort of get a blind test is to test one branch of the military against another branch of the military because the U.S. Navy Air Force has a similar sort of loadout to the United States Air Force. So if you're going to test against them, that would be the ones. And the reason why, like, the Pentagon at all is sort of just like, well, we don't know what's going on is because all of this is very um, um, compartmentalized. And it's also one of those things where people are on a need-to-know basis, and if the person at the top is is on isn't on that list like the president like 
They don't learn about it. What if the president was like, hey, what the fuck are you doing? I want to know right well, now. Well, it's also one of those things where you need to know exactly what to ask. Like, you can't just ask a general thing. You have to ask because there's still plausible deniability. They can still sort of say, like, well, we don't know what you're talking about because this is this and that's that. So oh, we don't we have to tell them about it. 600 billion fucking trillion kajillion dollars whoa, a whoa, year whoa, in whoa. our budget. Yeah, but kajillion, Get the you're fuck out of here, but you got to know how to exactly. You Listen, you got to be like fucking Aladdin, and you got to know exactly what the fucking ass to get into the cave of wonders. Suck my dick. I'm a taxpayer. I should be like, hey, what do you assholes know? And they should be like, here you go. This is what we know. Yeah. Straight up. I mean, like, hands, like, full stop. There should be no, none of this rules lawyering. I'll give you, none I'll of give this, you. Oh, but you didn't say the magic word. Shut up. Just give me what the fuck I want. I'll give you one. If if there were UFOs and they were coming down here, why would they only communicate with the U.S. government? They no, would, they, they would, would be, communicate with some government that are not fucking morons. You personally experienced a UFO encounter. That's my one of my big things. It's not all, the only thing. But, like, if there were UFOs that were constantly coming down here, you'd see more of them, first of all. And then, secondly, if they were made communication with us, they're not going to go to the U.S. government. Why would they go to the one of the dumbest fucking governments on the yeah. face of the earth? They'll go to one far smarter than the U.S. Even government. if they they'll did, go, why would like they the isolate to UN. one group or one power structure? It just doesn't make sense, you know? Also, the funny thing is, is like, and this is this is what really spoke to me as I was talking to a buddy of mine, and he was like, you got to understand, if you believe in aliens, you have to open your mind to the assumption that they're not going to look anything like us. They're not going to have technology anything yeah. like ours. They're not going to speak languages the anything theory. like ours. And the hierarchy of how they operate may not be anything like ours. You know, you watch things, and just to kind of cut it to the chase, you watch things like Rick and Morty, yeah, and you up. feel like, oh, like, <laughs> this is this is what aliens are, when in reality, you may not even be able to comprehend what you're looking at if somebody from that was an alien were to show up on the planet Earth. Sure. They wouldn't understand that there's hierarchy. But what about UAPs? The they're real. You think they're real? They're real. I think that it's. I think they're real. I, I'm not going to argue with that, but I, I don't believe that they're necessarily aliens. I think that's way too complicated of a solution. They're from the. Uh, where are the Greys from? Against Zeta Steve? Reticuli. Zeta Reticuli. They're from Zeta Reticuli. I mean, it's it's a fun <laughs> thing to to believe, like to to toy around with, and I think that's what ultimately keeps me uh, myself anyway involved in ghosts and all that stuff right like it's it's fun it's fun because I to quote dave chappelle to quote dave chappelle life is flimsy <laughs> you know it's just there's not a lot to it so it is so you need Shit, a little bit a little bit of special sauce right so you go and you're like aliens are real no <laughs> <laughs> you just need a little something to spice your life up because life is yeah. short, it's fleeting, it sucks. So just well, believe whatever you want to believe, but it is in the view of the trilateral troika that fuck you, aliens are real. <laughs> I mean, they're the modern day Fey. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's weirder shit on Earth than than aliens, and I think that uh, we ignore it because people are paying attention to like aliens. Aliens are sexier. That's true. That's probably what it is. You can sell that shit. Those slender, slender bodies with those, those creamy lax, eyes, those lacks. Yeah, now I gotta add it. Big that voice, black eyes. I said, <laughs> eyes. I said, I told you, 
I told you you can't say that in the podcast. <laughs> if you've ever if you've ever found the, the coin slot in a in a vending machine to be sexy, that's the mouth of a gray. Uh, Zeta reticulum <laughs> is for you. And on that note, later. We're out. <laughs> We're out. <laughs> <laughs> I love later. the smooth, creamy slot of an alien. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Ah! Goodbye. <laughs>